0: The pre Year, session number 292. Hello and welcome to the three-time Academy Award-nominated podcast, The pre Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a position. Now, welcome, welcome. If you're listening to this before June 30th, 2018, and you are in or around the DC area, come to our meetup. I'm in town for the National Association of Advisors of Health Professions meeting, the national meeting for health professional advisors, health, health profession advisors, and uh, I'm having a meetup Saturday, June 30th. You can go to the hangout, the pre-med hangout on Facebook where we have an RSVP. If you don't have Facebook, just shoot me an email, Ryan at medicalschoolhq.net, and I'll give you all of the details. Now, last week, we had Dr. Buck Parker on the podcast talking about being an IMG, struggling with his studying, going to the Caribbean, and learning how to fix it, and now offering his secret study hacks course. Which again, you can sign up for at medicalschoolhq.net slash studyhacks and get a discount over there. Uh, I talk about it at the end of session 291 if you want some more details on that course. And this week, we have another IMG, another Caribbean grad. We have Abad Yusuf, Dr. Abad Yusuf, on who is Dr. Bad underscore MD. Dr. Bad, B A D underscore md on instagram now abad went to a caribbean medical school he went to aua after struggling in his undergrad say very similar story to uh, buck parker from last week and abad thrived in that environment still struggled every now and then still picked himself uh, picked himself back up and but he was class president and thrived in that way still struggled with classes and as you will hear, he didn't match his first time out of the gate. And we talk about what that looked like and what he did in his time off and how he figured out how to match moving forward and what that was like and the questions that were asked about why he didn't match and what he did in that interim. So it was a great conversation, another good conversation. A lot of people think I am anti-Caribbean when I tell students that you shouldn't go to Caribbean school. I'm not anti-Caribbean schools. I am anti anti the non-transparency coming from Caribbean schools. They tell you a lot of things. They're, they're very similar to the military recruiters. They, they tell you what you want to hear when in reality, it's probably a lot different, which is why I like bringing on Caribbean grads because they can talk about what it was like, what it, like, what it was like to be on the island, what it was like to see all of their classmates or a lot of their classmates uh, drop out or quit or couldn't hang, whatever it was. And they can talk about, like Abad did, struggling to match and what that was like and the stigma for international medical graduates. There are a lot of issues with going to a Caribbean school. Can you go to a Caribbean school and be a great physician? Of course you can. No doubt in my mind. Going to a Caribbean school doesn't mean you get less education, but a lot of students who go to Caribbean schools aren't prepared for medical school, period, in the US or in the Caribbean yet they get into a Caribbean school. So that's what we talk about today. Let's go ahead and jump in and say hello to Dr. Abad Youssef. Abad, welcome to the pre-med years. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. When did you realize you wanted to be a physician?
1: Uh, I realized I want to be a phys- physician, excuse me, I'd say 13 or 14 years old. What happened? Um, I started taking an introductory to science research course. And my biology teacher at the time said, you're asking really good questions. Uh, and I thought, that's cool. I realized <laughs> that's how my brain works. And uh, I started doing some summer research and got involved in that little by little.
0: Yeah. So, right, this is the typical, the typical path of a, uh, of a personal statement. I liked science. Well, why didn't yeah. you go do science? <laughs> where, where did the, the human part of taking care of people come in to the story?
1: So uh, the human element was, was there for a while. I um, had a mom who got sick, that kind of thing, uh, taking care of her, going in and out of the hospital with her, the doctor's office. Um, I realized that I wanted to be able to scale helping people to an extent. I love the science, and medicine is obviously the application of science to helping people. I do think there are other great ways and those are parts of future goals and whatnot.
0: Mm-hmm. What do you What do you mean by scale, helping people?
1: Um, as far as scale, so right now I'm, I'm going into my residency. Uh, obviously, intern year is gonna be the load of your patients, they say, and then once you have your own practice and so on and so forth. My goal or what I'm trying to find out is how to see how to help more than one patient at a time kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, a physician's time, a nurse practitioner, a PA's time, that one-on-one is great, but how can we scale it and help millions and, and billions of people? There's a whole yeah. world of people that we don't see in the U.S., uh, in the third world countries, et cetera. So.
0: Well, I, I would go back to my initial question. Well, if you, you liked science, right, being a researcher and doing science and curing tuberculosis, that would help right, right. a <laughs> ton of people. So why did you go into medicine?
1: Uh, I, I think medicine was the was the way for me to get there. I think the influence and the ability to work with patients and having that clinical background is, um, you know, is more applicable for the science that I like. Yeah. Uh, once once you get to a point of influence, at least for me, I think I want to skill that to hey, maybe a biotech kind of startup or mm-hmm. a wellness startup or something like that.
0: Yeah. Kids these days always thinking about the next thing. <laughs> like, just just be a so doctor. The <laughs> <laughs> Says the person who doesn't practice medicine anymore.
1: <laughs> well, you're doing the next thing. You're you're enjoying it, right? <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. So you uh 13, 14 years old, you have this science epiphany and you're dealing with your mom who's sick and you're like, Oh, this doctor thing's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. When you went to undergrad, were you pre med hundred percent of the way, never looked back?
1: Um I was not. I kind of have a backwards way of thinking sometimes, was like, if I'm going to be learning all this stuff in med school, why do I have to take pre-med now? <laughs> I, I figured, how can I get the best value from my education? And I started off in business, and it changed to journalism, and that changed eventually to uh, sociology and health sciences, dual major. And I ended up getting a women's studies minor. (laughs) (laughs) I was just trying to absorb everything that I could.
0: (laughs) Interesting. Okay. So you did a bunch of stuff the whole time thinking, I'm going to go to medical school?
1: Mm hmm. Yeah. Uh, The end goal was always get into med school. And I had the thought of, hey, you know, this will help me stand out, right? When you're young and, and whatnot, you're trying to make that difference between yourself and everyone
0: else. Yeah. What was the biggest thing that you struggled with as a pre med student? I think studying.
1: <laughs> I, I actually graduated high school early. Uh, I got into college, and I just didn't know how to put together the volume of information kind of thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, my undergrad courses were very, very large, especially in the pre-med sciences. So I think that didn't help me with my own focus either. <laughs> so,
0: How did you fix that?
1: Uh, a reality call. <laughs> I, I failed out my, after my sophomore year okay. um, after a combination of life and not knowing how to study and working and uh, partying, I guess, right? Like we're young and you don't realize what your focus is. Yeah. Um, I failed out and I got back in that same semester with the stipulation that I'm going to have to do well. I pulled a 4 up until I graduated.
0: <laughs> what, is, what does that process look like? So you get a, a letter in the mail or you have the, the dean knocking on your door at 6 o'clock in the morning saying, yeah, it was, Abad, you're was out of here? was snail mail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so you-
1: my parents got a letter to the house and I was actually still out there um, at college doing work or, or doing something in between uh, semesters. And they were like, hey, we just got this letter that you're not in college anymore. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Um, yep.
0: Yeah. yeah, And, and how's that go? And I
1: realized the process was getting in touch with the dean.
0: Yeah, um, and and going about that. So. What'd your parents say?
1: They they weren't really angry. They were just more confused. Like, oh, you're so smart, and you know they've known <laughs> me as as a kid who was in every AP class, right? Um, always in honors and stuff. And they were like, "What happened? What are you doing?" <laughs> So, uh, I just, I gave it to them real, you know, my focus and and what I needed to do wasn't there. So, yeah.
0: What does that conversation look like? So you have to contact the Dean. How does that conversation go?
1: Oh man, that was, that was a while ago. I guess it's almost 10 years now. Um, it was, Hey, you've been dismissed. And then what are you going to do to get your grades up? Uh, why are your grades low? I think that took a lot of self-awareness in, in figuring out, Hey, you know, I need to balance this better and I need to not concentrate on that and do more of this kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then they I, I think they had to vote on it, or there was a like a group or the, an organization that votes on, on your ability to come back and I guess your maturity level at that point. Yeah. So,
0: so being self aware is probably a huge part of it, right? Owning up your mistakes of and and uh obviously repenting and saying you won't do it again. <laughs> Uh, but you For said sure. you earned a 4.0 from that point forward. Right. How did you do that? Like that's a huge turnaround from failing out to 4.0.
1: Yeah, um honestly it was focus. I, I realized, you know, I'm one of those high energy kind of guys with a billion things on my mind. Uh hence why I, I'm going into emergency medicine right now. <laughs> um I realized there needed to be certain levels and certain areas of focus and then there needed to be certain areas where I can let my creativity and my mind wander. Mm-hmm. So um, that was DJing, you know, having, having the ability to to do parties and still work and let my creative energy get put into that, but let my studious, focused uh, energy go into work, obviously. So.
0: Yeah. So you figured it out. So easy. I think so. <laughs> uh, you finish out with a 4.0 overall. Applying to medical school, obviously, you still have to to show those initial grades, right? Uh, yeah. You have to put that you had uh, as an academic discipline, right? That you were dismissed mm-hmm. from, from college and overcoming that. How did applications go the first time you applied to medical school?
1: I was a one-time-around kind of guy. Um, I didn't have a lot of guidance. I could have seeking it, you know, it's not... To put blame on the world or anybody else Mm -hmm. Um, first physician in my family um i kind of just looked at whatever i can look at the internet wasn't what it is now youtube isn't what it is you know
0: the pre-med years wasn't there
1: exactly (laughs) pre-med years wasn't around you didn't have advisors like yourself uh i kind of was like hey let me show up for the mcat study for three weeks and take it two to three weeks (laughs) because that's what i was that's what i learned to do to do well in college yeah after failing out exactly uh, not realizing that I still sucked at taking standard exams, <laughs>
0: yeah. and the MCAT is just a completely different beast altogether.
1: Exactly, it's like take a regular standard exam and then apply the MCAT to it, and then the same thing happens with USMLE Step One, and then Step Two and Three, and yeah, uh, it's all a learning process. Yeah.
0: So, so you took the MCAT. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm guessing based on that comment, Bombed. you probably didn't do very well, <laughs> did you? It was take it again? In
1: the teens, uh, I never did.
0: You never did. did. Never. Okay. Did. So, dismissed from college, mm-hmm. teens for an MCAT score, this is pre, mm-hmm. pre-new MCAT, yet you have an MD after your name. So, the, the student do. listening is like, wait <laughs> a minute, how the heck did you get into medical school? So, you, um, you went the route of, of being an international medical grad and going to the Caribbean. As, mm-hmm. as you went through the application process, uh, I, I'm assuming you probably didn't get any interviews, Um, at what point did this notion of a Caribbean medical school pop into your life?
1: It was in the summer, um, I guess between now and July-ish, uh, I had a friend actually at a Caribbean med school who I went to undergrad with. Um, I realized with my scores and, and, you know, my background, I wasn't going to be getting into a U.S. medical school at the time. And an opportunity opened up in the Caribbean. He said, hey, the school's expanding, you know, this and that. Uh, I put a few feelers out to a couple different applications. Um, and then things just moved very quickly. I went from interviewing to getting admitted almost within a month and then moving to the island. <laughs> so, uh, do, do you know, you th- I, I saw the opportunity I moved fast.
0: <laughs> do you think, I mean, looking back at your resume, Mm-hmm. Obviously you've graduated medical school now. You're starting your residency. Mhm. But there are a lot of students in very similar situations who who don't get to that point. They they get accepted to a Caribbean medical school, but they they don't get to the point where you are where you're starting your residency. Why do you think you were successful after proving initially for undergrad um that you couldn't handle the coursework, figuring that out, but then in in your words, you say you you struggle mightily with um, standardized testing, MCAT included. Why do you think you were successful getting through medical school, doing uh, or passing the boards um, to get to the point where you are now when when there are other students out there who aren't successful?
1: Uh, I like that question. I would have to say, I think my self-awareness and my ability to be hard on myself, I think. Uh, I knew... And know what my weaknesses are, and, and they're constantly changing. Sometimes your strengths are, are able to outplay those. Um, I learned, you know, failed a bunch of my block exams again in med school. I just, I realized I didn't know how to study properly. But being in med school taught me how to do that. Uh, and every time I've had to level up, I taught myself something new um, to, to bring up that weakness. So I think that self-awareness and that determination and drive uh, to know, hey, this is where I want to get to. And this is where I currently am. How can I get there? Mm-hmm. It has helped me a lot.
0: You, well, and and I talk about that all the time on the podcast called course correction, right? Mm-hmm. You, you were in a certain spot, not where you wanted to be. You knew where you needed to be, right? Yeah. You, you needed to pass, <laughs> you weren't passing. And you figured out that how to course correct and get to where you needed to be. And it sounds mm-hmm. like You kept having to course correct and you kept having to figure out new things along the way. Why not just give up and say, you know what, this, this isn't meant for me.
1: (laughs) Um, I mean, I've known many people who, who have given up. Uh, I didn't really see it as giving up as matter of, I see things as like time is going to pass anyway. Right. So what can you be doing in the meantime to allow you to get to where you want to be next? Um, as far as giving up, I think it's sometimes things need to take a back seat, or you need to take a back step. Not you, but, you know, individuals uh, mm-hmm. need to take a back step to, to what they're doing just to get a more holistic picture of it. And I think that's what allowed me to course correct through time. So.
0: Um, what does it look like? You get to the Caribbean, you you're there, you're surrounded by several hundred other students, a mm-hmm. lot of them. Coming from very similar backgrounds, not doing well in undergrad, not doing well on the MCAT. All right, they're they're in the Caribbean for a reason. Mm-hmm. What does that that environment look like with with people like yourself who are saying, you know what, I'm going to figure it out. I'm I'm going to keep falling down, but I'm going to keep getting up. And then other people who are around you going. Yeah, my mom wants me to be a doctor, and so I'm here, but I don't really want to be, and this is cool because it's the, it's the Caribbean, I get to hang out at the beach. Yeah. <laughs> how, do you, how, how do you deal with that environment?
1: Uh, I, think, I think having you know, my own goal and my own aspirations uh, helped a lot with that, but like you said, getting down to an environment where there is, I think, a little bit more diversity, um, whether it's ethnic or religion or... You know, a lot of people had careers before uh, wanting to go into medicine. Mm -hmm. I realized a lot of the students, a lot of my colleagues at the time, uh, a lot of them didn't have the direction or physicians in the family. So I I realized there was strength in that diversity almost. Mm -hmm. Um, The people who weren't there for the right reasons, um, and by the right reasons, I mean, you know, somebody else wanted them to go into medicine or they were kind of just like, hey, I'll go through this, I'll do it.
0: Yeah. Let me just Uh, try it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. yeah, What's $60,000 of debt? (laughs) It's more than that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, I think, I think there was a weed out process in the sense of like, even when you get to pre-med, they say Orgo is a weed out class, right? Yeah. Um, I think that process continues on through the years, you know, through your, your basic science years and through rotations and, um, even getting into residency and beyond residency, you have to take your boards once you specialize too. So
0: yeah, um, the the attrition rate for Caribbean schools is much higher than than U.S. schools. <laughs> when you're sitting there studying, and and you, it, it would be cool to see a time lapse from from day one <laughs> of med school to to the last day of, of first year, the last day of second year, and sure. see the the herds thinning out. What is that? What does that do to, to your psyche? Did, did you sit around with their students going, oh, man, <laughs> we, we lost Johnny last week. I don't know who we're going to lose yeah. this week.
1: <laughs> I think, um, I mean, there's two ways you can take that, right? You can see it and realize, hey, this isn't for everyone. Um, you know, maybe not. Maybe everyone's not cut out for this. Not not to say that they're weaker, but maybe they just have something else out there for them. Um. And you can see it as, like, this is survival, <laughs> which, which is commonplace in, in U.S. medical schools and DO schools as well, is, is the level of, of uh, academic excellence and the people, you know, how hard people are studying. Um, I mean, my, my U.S. friends and, and my counterparts, I realized there was a similar, like, it's almost like a freak out when you get there. Like, whoa. <laughs> so I use that to, to drive me you know, having that self-awareness and like, hey, everyone isn't going to get to this. Uh, I was my class president, mm-hmm. so I did see that uh, the attrition, you know, wasn't, you know, the attrition was, was, was high, I guess, right? Yeah. Uh, part of what I was working on with my dean and, and administration was how can we reduce this? So it's not like they take students in and not care. Uh, they were actively, you know, myself as a student included, we're working to see, how can we make this better? How can we bring up, you know, I guess that bottom half or bottom third of the Gaussian curve kind of thing. So
0: Yeah.
1: Um, it was scary. You, how do you do
0: that? <laughs> how do you do that? What what were the, what were those discussions like?
1: They were tough discussions. Um a lot of them was, was troubleshooting. Why aren't these students doing well?
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, is it
1: is it the way we're teaching? Is it the testing methodology? Is it um Who you know, you're accepting is, who you're accepting is yeah. it the students' backgrounds Yeah, kind
0: of thing. Um, it's a lot of variables, so it's hard to pin down. And every student is exactly. going to be maybe a, exactly. a different variable <laughs> in all of those. Yeah, Exactly. That's hard. Um,
1: I know, I mean, I think I remember looking at a roster of, of a few hundred people. And within the first two weeks, you know, there was the people who didn't even show up to the island. Some of them might have gotten accepted off of a wait list mm-hmm. to U.S. school or DO school or... Um, you know some of them maybe just didn't show up, so i I realized a large chunk was you know taken out that way, and then after the first two weeks to a month, at the end of i think four to six weeks, we had our first block exams, so that was another reality check, whereas, hey, this isn't going to work for me yeah. <laughs> for a lot of people, um, and I think there, those checkpoints existed throughout
0: so. yeah one of the, the the biggest points of contention that I have and, and I'm vocal. Not against Caribbean medical schools. A lot of people think I'm against Caribbean medical schools, but I'm mm-hmm. I'm against going to a Caribbean medical school if you're unaware of all of the other things that go along with being an IMG. Mm-hmm. And so I try to educate students on on what it's like to go to a Caribbean school, which is why I have students like you on, or physicians like you For on. Sure. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that that Caribbean medical schools like to to throw out there, a stat that they like to throw out there is look at our, our USMLE pass rate, mm-hmm. right? And I know, and you know, but not a lot of students know that that it's kind of not a real number because there are exams that schools give, schools here in, this, in the States too, to see how well you're potentially going to do mm-hmm. when you sit for the exam. And if you don't do well um, on those comprehensive exams, it's like, well, maybe you're not ready to take step one yet, so right, right, right. we're not going to let you take step one, <laughs> and we may never let you take step one because you may never get to that point where you're going to pass, mm-hmm. so talk, talk about that kind of hidden number kind of system that the Caribbean schools have.
1: Hidden numbers, is interesting. I, <laughs> the way I see it, it's like the quote, statisticians are just liars with data, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think, you know, it's not siloed with Caribbean medical schools. I think there are numbers that get moved around in their individual ways, you know, within U.S. schools, as you've seen as well, for admission rates and things like that.
0: Well, even Um, in the the pre-med world, they do it. Pre-med offices mm -hmm. will say, look, we have 100% acceptance rates for our students. But like, well, you didn't work with 20% of the students because they didn't have a high enough GPA (laughs) or an MCAT score, so you wouldn't help them, so they wouldn't count against you.
1: Exactly. Um, I think with the comprehensive, you know, kind of exams, so with us... We had to take and pass comprehensives before we were allowed to sit for step exams. Um, but I don't think it was a way to to weed you out. I think it was more, not, not to weed out, but a way to say, hey, you're going to pass and do well on a step. You know, having known the hardships and kind of the stigma that exists for IMGs and Caribbean grads. Mm-hmm. Um, a student who barely passed a step coming from the Caribbean or as an FMG, a true FMG, non citizen, even a citizen going to have a much harder time than somebody who's doing well on that exam and and a lot of it has to do with are you able to do well enough to secure this residency
0: yeah yeah for for imgs the the bar is so much higher for step one step two um Um, okay
1: for sure and i saw that on interviews and it was it was i did i did fairly well uh 90th percentile above Mm -hmm. um and, you know, I, I was interviewing with some students who had failed step one once, step two a second time kind of thing. Uh, not to think that anybody's better than, than anyone else. Yeah. It's just a matter of the, the stigma and that level of, wow, <laughs> like, you know, I, I know people with 250s who were, who were super, like, very personable, uh, great charisma, great interviewers, only had a handful of interviews in their specialties. Yeah. Uh, and that's and that's just the nature of the beast <laughs> yeah for now so
0: you didn't match the first time you applied what was that process mm-hmm. like for you
1: the process was applying through eras going through the match um, not getting a match was was tough uh, knowing that i had i had dedicated my summers at the age of 15 and 16 to doing Good research and, you know, having had the leadership and being president and um, getting the grades that I need to get on my board exams on the first pass. It was a little discerning, uh, but I think it gave me, you know, a different perspective of the overall process. Mm-hmm. Um, applying into emergency medicine, emergency medicine is very, very, very competitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was aware of that. But I'm also the kind of guy that, like, you know, my focus was all on one thing. Yeah. Um, the, the match rate this year for IMGs was 1.6%, <laughs> yeah. which, which is wild. <laughs> so you're I'm saying there's a, there's a chance. There is a chance. Yeah. <laughs> Great movie. <laughs> Dumb and Dumber. <laughs>
0: yes, yeah, very good movie. Uh, why do you think you didn't match the first time you applied?
1: Uh, one of the largest reasons was just a numbers game. I didn't have enough interviews. Uh, I applied only to emergency medicine. How many programs? Um, 170 or so almost okay. all of them all of
0: them yeah okay
1: um you know understanding my limitations coming from the caribbean yeah being self-aware of the fact that i also had to take a little time off during med school had some family stuff going on uh which which happens like mm-hmm. this is life so understanding those you know red flags uh kind of thing handful of interviews and and it just didn't work out i think yeah. they say the optimal number to match is like 13 or so and slightly higher for, for international grads. So I had a third of that.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I, I, when I break down match rates for specialty stories, the, the podcast mm-hmm. that I do talking about different specialties, that, that continuous match number or the continuous rank number, like the number of programs that you have to rank, it's mm-hmm. always right around 11, 12, 13 as programs that you have to match to get your percentage, uh, your, your chance to match, um, close to a hundred percent. For sure.
1: Um, so this year, doing something differently, I had applied to you know, other programs, knowing that the dream was to be a physician, a practicing physician, mm-hmm. um, and wanting to, to pivot that into other bigger things. Um, and that was kind of just putting my own ego and pride aside and saying, listen, it doesn't matter what specialty you get into, your goal and your dream was to be a physician and help people, right? How we started the conversation off. Yeah. Um. And, and the luck and the numbers kind of worked out, I guess.
0: Yeah. Was <laughs> so. the, the thought also there, I don't know the data on it, but I, I know kind of anecdotally that mm-hmm. every year out of school, your chances of matching just go down and down and down and down. So um, there's, there's also that reality mm-hmm. in the back of your mind going, I, I better do this no matter what specialty.
1: Right, right, right. Um, that was definitely a large part of it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly right. They say every year away from graduation, um, especially for FMGs and IMGs, you know, the the U.S. grad DOMD uh, soap rate is a lot higher mm-hmm. um, and and the ability to find a position after soap is a lot higher, kind of just because your your support and your schools are on the mainland. Yeah, um, we have our offices, you know, New York City and and I know some of the other schools in Florida, things like that. But. Our our hospital systems are set up where you have different contracts and you rotate through different hospitals, kind of thing. I guess.
0: Yeah. Um, what so. What does a student do, or physician? I guess you graduate. Yeah. Who doesn't match? What What is the, what opportunities are there for, for a physician who doesn't have a program to go to?
1: Uh, I think there's different handful. I'd say it's not a lot. Um, But you have to be real with yourself in creating a timeline, I think, and realizing that, hey, I didn't match this year. You have to troubleshoot, see what you did wrong or see what you can improve on. Uh, I'm going to be applying the next year and the next year and the next year after that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, if that's if that's still the goal. Otherwise, there's, you know, investment bankers, investment banks who love to have MDs on board. Um, even without the business background, the, the value of having a, a medical doctorate is is massive, I think. Uh, there's also a lot of educational companies out there, right? Kaplan and Picmonic and um, all these guys where they need MDs to help create content and teach CS courses and things like that. So that helps to pass the time or, or even make that your full-time career. Um, mm-hmm. I was... I guess, lucky to have fallen into a position with Picmonic, um, one of their medical scholars. Um, having not matched, I was looking for jobs with pharma and uh, I guess in the business end and research. Uh, a research opportunity did open up. I did take that opportunity, but it's also, I mean, you need money to live and bills and <laughs> all your loans go into repayment and, and all the stuff they don't tell you is like, wow, this is, this is reality, right? So. Yeah. Uh, you figure out what you need to do to get a monetary employment and then you get that research employment and you kind of go at it from every angle.
0: Yeah. Because you're, as, a, as as a physician, you graduate, your loans, the, the banks are calling, right? Uncle Sam is calling saying, give us our money back. <laughs> as a resident, you can enter forbearance and mm-hmm. which isn't really advised. Uh, if you aren't in a program, can you do that or do you have to start paying back?
1: You have to start paying it back. Yeah. Um, it also depends on the loans. So um, the a handful of Caribbean schools do have federal uh, loan accreditation. Mm-hmm. Uh, mine is one of them. So I did have uh, I did have some leeway with those loans that were private, but the schools have to be around for at least 10 years to get that US federal loan process in place. Mm-hmm. Um, so my first few semesters were private and those are the ones that went into repayment um, the loan companies and the banks do work with you. So, you know, it's not the massive hit that you'd be paying, uh, but it is, it is doable. Yeah. Uh, residency, like you said, there is deferment and forbearance and, and all that other stuff because you're technically graduate medical education. Yeah. So,
0: what was it like the process of reapplying for the next match, going on those interviews and having those conversations? Be like, uh, <laughs> what have you been up to? Like, why didn't you get in? What's, what's going on in your life? For sure,
1: um, pretty much every interview asked that.
0: <laughs> every <laughs> program that.
1: director asked, "What have you been doing in the last year?" Mm-hmm. Uh, I was lucky in that, you know i was I was creating medical content, so it was related. I was teaching students how to learn and how to troubleshoot and change those paths like I had done in my life. Um, and then some of the research I was working on. So I mean, my I guess advice or my mentality was, you could speak about it passionately. I think that comes across with uh, in a genuine way. Yeah. So program directors enjoyed that forwardness, like, hey, you know, you didn't get it the first time and you've been doing all this and that's great. So
0: Yeah. You owned it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You own it. Which is good. Um,
1: it's all you can do, right? <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. So what's next for you?
1: Starting residency, man. I'm uh, I'm transitioning now, so it's very exciting. I just took my ATLS pretest yesterday. <laughs> Um, getting trying to get back into the study, you know, mode of, of the daily few hours or hour or so that you have to put in to be good at what you do.
0: Yeah, a L- little less um, Instagram, a little more studying.
1: Yeah, yeah less insta, <laughs> less social, um, or plan it right, working around your your weddings and birthdays and all that stuff that yeah. you got to do. Uh, yeah, June is a very busy month for all that.
0: <laughs> yeah, for a student listening to this who is certain they're going to the caribbean what whether they um they they just don't want to retake the mcat again they don't want to retake those classes again and they're like you know what i don't care i'm going to the caribbean um what sort of advice would you have for a student who who knows that they're going to end up in a caribbean um Mm -hmm. but maybe isn't aware of of the whole process yet
1: um, I would try to reach out to other people who have been through the process. Um, myself, please feel free to reach me on Insta or social or email. Um, I think that first per- person perspective is very, very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, I guess, be extremely self-aware. Uh, and number three, know that your, your timeline may not work out the first time around for what you want it to. Uh, whether you have to take a gap year for research or, or get publications or um, you don't get the first residency you want on that first try kind of thing. Just know that, you know, keep doing what you have to be doing for yourself. Uh, it's it's not bad on the other side Yeah, <laughs> when you finally get there. yeah, it, It's harder and you'll learn a lot more about yourself through the process.
0: So. Yeah. Is it really fun going to a school in Caribbean with the beach? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I,
1: I say... Uh, you know, it tends to be a little easier to get in. It's harder to stay in. Yeah. Um, I lived on the beach 10 feet away from me, but that was also my study break. Like, go out to the balcony and, and look at the ocean and the sand, and people would kill for that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Oprah had a house on an island, like, <laughs> just short off the coast from me. Nice. Um, I made sure to, you know, study hard. I did my work during the week uh, so that Friday, Saturday night, come around, I can go enjoy it. I made sure to keep that through the process kind of thing, just to keep my sanity and and whatnot, go boating with some friends on the island and, mm-hmm. and things like that. So
0: what about for the um, student who who doesn't know anything about the Caribbean uh, but is applying to medical school in the states wants to do some sort of like super competitive residency is not getting in and the postcards start coming in from the Caribbean (laughs) school saying, Hey, like we have school starting in January, you can come. Yeah. Uh, Would you advise that student to like hold off and wait and, and course correct as we were talking about earlier before going down that path?
1: I would say it depends on the individual. I think that course correction and that timeline really, really matters. I had this conversation with, with the girl the other day, who I'm trying to coach and mentor. Um, I think that course correction, people do get very competitive residencies. You know, Mm -hmm. we, we had a neurosurgery match at Brown and, you know, we've had orthosurgery at Mayo Clinic, things like that. I'm actually into emergency medicine myself along with, you know, a handful of other people. So it is possible, Mm -hmm. Uh, but I see it as a chance. You're, you're getting a chance to fulfill your dream. Um, my, my ninth grade biology teacher, he, he said it to me, you get into everything what you put into anything. Uh, and I think that applies with anywhere. So if you're going to go into the Caribbean with the mindset of, oh, hey, I'm going to party on the beach every day. You know, you need some serious self-reflection compared to this is still medical school and I still need to work very, very hard, if not 10 times harder. Um, and you have to be prepared for that. So that preparation, I think, is huge, that self-awareness. So. All
0: So, right, there you have it again, Dr. Abad Youssef, AUA graduate, not matching his first time around, getting his match this time around in emergency medicine, which he is starting shortly in New York. So he's excited to start his residency and go through that process. I'm excited to continue to follow his journey on Instagram again, he's at dr. b a d underscore m d doctor bad m d. Go check him out on Instagram. Say hello. Let him know that you heard him on the podcast and that you appreciate his openness, his authenticity on his journey. That's what we try to do here on the podcast: is share amazing stories, amazing journeys with you, so that you understand that number one, you're not alone. You understand that you can do this. When you see somebody doing it who has struggled like you, it gives you that much more motivation. And I love getting emails from you guys every week sharing how you struggled and yet you succeeded because you heard somebody else succeed on the podcast. Hope you have a great week. I'll see you next time here on The Pre-Med Years.